Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. From autosport.com and autosport magazine, I'm Martin Lee. This is the Autosport Podcast. Changeable conditions for the Belgian Grand Prix, but Max Verstappen clinches pole position. Well, sort of doesn't because of a penalty, but it was a dominant pole position. I'm going to call it that. Leclerc fans can argue with me. Uh, Despite a five-place grid penalty uh, for the Grand Prix, which is Sunday. Yes, it's Friday. Yes, we're talking about qualifying. It was a fifth gearbox of the season. The penalty does not affect uh, his starting spot for Saturday's sprint action, which is a whole separate thing. I'm sure you know the format by now. Verstappen also had a tense exchange with his engineer, Jean-Pierre Lambiassi, over Red Bull's run plan that saw him barely make it through Q2 into Q3, but he did. And Charles Leclerc, I guess, officially on pole. Uh, Sergio Perez behind him and Lewis Hamilton. That's how they'll line up on Sunday afternoon for the Grand Prix. I'm joined by Autosports Grand Prix editor, who is on location at uh, the circuit, and hopefully he's just about dried out by now. Alex Kalinorkas, how wet were you at times today? Oh, Martin, I went trackside <laughs> for FP1 or P1, you know, well, just FP, I guess, practice, the only practice session of a sprint weekend, stood at the foot of Eau Rouge or, you know, just above the river looking up at the hill beyond me, the uh, the pit exit for the endurance pit lane here at Spa. And honestly, I have never been so wet. And the thing was, is it sort of crept up on me because obviously it's, it's basically been raining since Thursday morning. Like we got, we flew in on Wednesday evening. It was like a bit overcast, but it wasn't particularly wet and it has not stopped. I have not seen it stop until later on when it got towards uh, Friday qualifying. And then about 15 minutes before the end of practice, when it was really hosing it down, but it was like sheet down. I was like, my whole, my t shirt soaked, everything soaked. It was so grim, but so special at the same time. It was just amazing being able to look to your right. You see the cars, you can't see them coming towards you because of the pit lane, uh, you know, the catch fencing, but the spray, the sort of, we call them rooster tails of spray. 
to me, they look more like shark fins slicing through water, like these silver things moving along. And they come shooting by and up over Rouge, Alexander Albon, looked like he was having a bit of trouble with that. Obviously, normally it's uh, it's it's uh, it's flat out in the dry, but they're having big old lifts, uh, changing down a couple of gears. Fortunately, no incidents. Obviously, we know this track has a very, very tragic recent past. So very pleased to see uh, that that was okay. I was also very pleased to see that my tactic of when I got back to the media center, whipping off my t-shirt in the gents' toilets, I should say, putting a jacket on over that, and then holding my t-shirt under the hand dryer for ages, <laughs> paid off quite nicely. It did, it did actually work pretty well. I was there for a good ten minutes, but, uh, but anyway, the, the, the glamour of Formula One, I guess. <laughs> I thought you were going to say you put on a, a show for the uh, the fellow journalists. Oh no, 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 they. They they would they would not want to see that believe me so uh, so uh, so yes yeah, so anyway I got dry and we were treated to, to quite an interesting qualifying session like yeah okay same result as ever and by a massive margin but uh, yeah Verstappen made it interesting he made a mistake in Q two it was the, the whole the whole exchange with GP stems from Max making a mistake very nearly ending up in exactly the same incident that eliminated Esteban Ocon you know, going off at turn nine that corner doesn't really have a name some people call it Bruxelles Brussels but you know whatever turn nine. Nearly ended up in the barrier, and then that yeah led to this amazing outburst, really, because basically Max wanted to right right stay on it, and then I stay on it again, and that's when I set my time. And Jean-Pierre Lambiesi was like, no, no, we're 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 marginal. If we do that and then try and cool down and then go for a third time, you might not have enough time. So what we do is we cool now, we recharge the battery go again and that's what they did but they only just scraped through in 10th they were nearly out and Verstappen let him have it there was swearing all over the place and uh, and yeah you know, it's really interesting with Verstappen because I think Lewis Hamilton jokingly said it in one of the press conferences recently he might have been over the Silverstone weekend which is you know Max is under pressure when he's swearing because he hasn't he's, you've not really heard that this whole year with all the domination right but, but odd from Max because it, what he's going to be world champion no matter what. So what pressure? It's just I think it's this this desire to just destroy the field in every session. Like I think that's what's driving him. So yeah, he was upset and uh, he let his engineer know it. Yeah, he is a machine. I was going to say monster, but that that's a little too dark. But he is, you know, monstrous in his talent as well. And you kind of it, it does come back to. The, the the young man that Jos Verstappen moulded him into. There's the famous story of Jos, who wasn't happy with one of his performances as a, as a younger racing driver, kicking him out on the motorway or whatever kind of road it was. You know, maybe, a, maybe it was safer. I think it was at a service, a service station, just to be clear. He didn't chuck him out of a moving vehicle. That would be something even worse. <laughs> and like leaving his son behind to like think about what you've done. That's the level that Max expects or the, the Verstappen family expect him to do. He's got the talent to deliver it. And as you say, the result at the end of the year, he's going to stand at the gala ceremony and, and, and pick up that trophy with who knows what record hall of points. I've got the transcript here. We'd love to play it to you, but what with broadcast rights and things things like that. Um, Verstappen said, we should have just, flipping, I'll clean it up, pushed two laps in a row, like I said. Uh, Jean-Pierre says, uh, you are through, Max. Uh, Verstappen says, I don't give a flip if I'm through. It was P10. It was a rubbish execution. Uh, and Jean-Pierre says, 
okay. Uh, and then when the track was two seconds quicker for your final lap, you didn't have any energy left, how that would gone down. Alex mentioned that. Uh, but then he says, you tell me what you want to do in Q3 and we'll do it. Sets, fuel, run plan. And uh, it's just, it's so interesting, isn't it? Like, as you say, he was eight tenths quicker than Charles Leclerc. I know Charles Leclerc's got the pole for the Grand Prix on Sunday. And that's who we have to say will be the pole sitter. But I, I almost don't, and it is a very Leclerc thing. What a Leclerc thing to do, get get to be on pole because you were eight tenths of a second behind the person in front of you but he got a penalty so you get to be bold that sort of sums up Charles' season and you know career at the minute but still um it was just so mind-blowingly good that lap on a drying on a drying track but how much of the performance about the drivers is down to that person that's in their ear they work so closely day in day out you know with these people that i know formula one is talking about putting heart rate sensors on the drivers i'd like to see it on jampier lambiessa it's like 60 bpm constantly like you know from morning to night that guy is unshakable like he just never seems to have a high or a low mood and and that it seems to be what max verstappen needs he doesn't need to go back and check with you know uh, gp doesn't go back and check with christian horner or say oh you know am i allowed to say this to max like they've got he has got complete carte blanche to do whatever he thinks is right to manage that driver Max clearly is the one behind the wheel, but these guys work so closely with their engineers. You know, I think we saw a glimpse of that today, how important that relationship is. And, um, you know, afterwards, Max did publicly on the radio, knowing it would be aired, uh, say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for uh, for losing it. What You know, what, what do you think about that relationship? Well, speaking as someone with somewhat of a short fuse, particularly if someone were to speak to me in the manner Max Verstappen spoke to his engineer or deliberately wound me up or, you know, whatever, piling the pressure on. Um, yeah, I'm absolutely in awe of Gian Pieri Lambiesi. And he's it's not just the fact that he's Verstappen's engineer. He's the chief engineer at Red Bull. He is in charge of both of those cars. And he's so cool and clinical. And you know, there's uh, the story, I think we may have talked about it on a previous podcast about Sebastian Vettel. He actually hired uh, GP to go to Red Bull to be his engineer for 2015. That's what Christian Horner told me recently. And uh, and actually Vettel left to go to Ferrari and, and GP ended up uh, engineering Daniel Kvyat. Obviously he then gets Verstappen's seat and that's where this all comes from. But it clearly works. It clearly works. And, you know, I think Red Bull know what an asset they've got there and Verstappen knows it as well. He... He's been pretty cutting with GP on the radio for years. Like he just, this is just Verstappen's nature. He's not going to change. If he's still like this when he is blowing away the rest of the field, he's not going to be any different at any point in his Formula One career, right? So they make it work. You know, this is not something that suddenly needs to be fixed, some big problem. I just wonder whether Max, because he said afterwards, oh, I'm going to have discussions with him because obviously he wants it sorted out. I also think there's an element of, or oh, maybe I shouldn't quite have, have said that. So we'll, we'll see what happens next time. But uh, but yeah, you know, it's, it's, just, it's just interesting that Red Bull in a position of such domination, then uh, then, go, then, then there's, there's always a subplot, isn't there? <laughs> Absolutely. Meanwhile, you've got Carlos Sainz telling Ferrari what the strategy will be whilst he's driving a Formula One car. Maybe Ferrari need to uh, uh, be a little more ruthless like uh, like Red Bull's engineers are with their drivers. But that leads me, tenuous segue, onto Ferrari. Charles Leclerc will officially start on pole alongside the front row of Sergio Perez in his, his Red Bull. He seems to... Uh, 
have shaken off that that bad run, but uh, we hope that he has. Uh, Lewis Hamilton in third, Carlos Sainz in fourth, in the second Ferrari. Uh, only you know one and a half tenths spanning those four drivers, and yet I think there was eight tenths that spanned second to tenth, and yet Max was eight tenths ahead of Charles Leclerc. Uh, Max Verstappen will start back in sixth behind Oscar Piastri, and ahead he splits the McLarens ahead of uh, Lando Norris. Uh, just a few thoughts from you on the official top three, uh, which you know, Charles Leclerc, Perez, and Hamilton just behind as well. Yeah, really impressed with uh, Charles Leclerc. Okay, there's a big gap to Verstappen, but he's in a Red Bull and Leclerc's in a Ferrari. He beat the other Red Bull. The Red Bull should be comfortably one and two on the road. Perez, okay, he did better this weekend, but still, still not good enough, ultimately, if you're letting a slower car beat you. Uh, and Leclerc, yeah, it, really interesting with Leclerc because we know how quick he is. We know how impressive he is. But actually, he he showed a real weakness in Spain and in Austria in the sprint qualifying in that... He says, if it's fully dry or fully wet, I'm absolutely fine. But in these mixed wet to dry conditions, I'm struggling because he says, I'm so aggressive, I'm making too many mistakes. So he's gone back and he's worked very, very hard. And he says that effort has paid off today in that. I think he's just reined it in a little bit to be a bit more consistent. But also they've really worked out, they call them tools, the sort of changes, the things they can change on the steering wheel. And when it comes to Ferrari, it mainly uh, impacts how sort of open the diff becomes and how that impacts car performance and, and, and things like that. Or sorry, car balance and things like that. So that's what Leclerc and his team have, have concentrated on. And boy, did it pay off. Don't forget, this is also a track where he goes very well at, you know, won his first race here in Formula One back in 2019. I was lucky enough uh, to speak to him about that a few a few weeks ago. But anyway, yeah, um, fabulous performance uh, for Ferrari, backed up with Carlos Sainz being fifth because it, it really looked like McLaren was again going to be the one challenging uh, Red Bull. I'm sure we'll come to discuss McLaren uh, in, a, in a little while, Martin. But just one, uh, one quick tidbit on Ferrari. I haven't seen this anywhere else. So maybe a little bit of a, a minor, very minor breaking news on Ferrari in that Fred Vasseur seems to have sustained some sort of injury. He was limping out of the paddock absolutely limping uh, supported with like a, an umbrella like a, a walking stick so uh, he did not seem best pleased as he was but to, actually to be fair to him no, he didn't seem best pleased and obviously he, he looks quite uncomfortable but the way the the way the, the the paddock is at Spa, all the cars are parked underneath the the upper areas of the paddock, and then they're taken out by the drivers, as in the the car drivers, the chauffeurs, the VIPs, the the stars get in and are driven away. And as Vasseur was doing that, big crowd of people at the exit of the uh, 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 paddock turnstiles. And to his credit, Vasseur stood and took photos with everybody. Didn't you know? Like I said, it looked quite uncomfortable, but still still you know didn't didn't brush anybody off probably because he couldn't go anywhere quickly but uh, but nevertheless i thought that was uh, i thought that was quite good from from professor so anyway we hope he we don't know what's happened to him but we do hope he uh, heals up quickly uh, and yeah perez you know as i said he comes in with quite a lot of criticism because it's objective criticism that car is so good it should be second Equally, am I placing too much emphasis on qualifying, for example? Because we know, we've talked about this on the Autoport podcast before, it's like the Ferrari F2004. It's hard to qualify, the field is a lot closer, and then it just dominates in the race. But Perez is qualifying it so far back, he can't really unleash... He, well, he does unleash the full potential of the car, but it, it it means he ends up finishing lower down. And that is, that, you know, that is something that he still needs to work on. But fair play to him. He capitalised today. You know, he, he I think he, he, he sort of felt like if there was one more lap that's where he would have been able to make that step with Leclerc feeling like he improved throughout the session so uh, so so yeah so, so well done to, to Sergio Perez for, for, for finish, ending up third starting second big chance to win I mean it makes the race really really interesting because um, you know Basically, it was it was interesting. Uh, Verstappen was asked, you know, is this the best place to take that gearbox penalty? You know, what's sort of going on then? He said, he's still still the best. He says, I'm still the best place. I won from 14th here last year. I'm in an even better car. 
he's still you know going into Sunday's race thinking he can win it but he's got to beat another Red Bull now and at, at the same time don't forget by starting even a little bit down the pack you're at risk of what happening to the Alpines and we've seen Verstappen himself here had a couple of incidents at the start of this Belgian Grand Prix so it's by no means a guarantee that he will win if he escapes that opening lap though he'll be the heavy favourite but there should be a battle with Sergio Perez and it'll be really interesting to see who wins out. I'm so glad you mentioned Alpine. I'm sure all of our listeners have seen the news by now, but I want to get your personal opinion on that after my final uh, question, which is uh, we, uh, Lewis Hamilton uh, was a good chunk ahead of his teammate uh, George Russell, about seven or eight tenths ahead of George Russell. Really outqualified him today. Forget where I got to. Max Verstappen sixth, Lando Norris seventh, Russell eighth, Alonso and Stroll ninth and tenth, respectively, finishing off the top ten for Sunday's uh, Grand Prix. Lando Norris had a big moment in Q1. He went uh, went off a of Stavolo caught it luckily on a part of the track where the gravel trap then turns back into asphalt just gave him the the, the bite into the tires to steer into uh sort of big old tank slapper that he had and save it would have been a huge accident on the radio at the time engineer thought front wing damage turned out afterwards big significant damage on his floor which compromised the rest of his season out qualified for the second time this year by oscar piastri and it's outstanding by oscar piastri today changing changeable conditions never driven around this circuit ever in a formula one car on a on a slick tire on a drying track and was putting in purple sectors at times quicker than verstappen in some of those mini sectors as well just amazing by oscar piastri really growing into his rookie season just awesome lando norris will start um, seventh as i mentioned uh, a quickie this is a sprint weekend alex ha- just explain to our listeners how does it all shake out for mclaren lando's car is hobbled the floor won't just be patched up with tape it is in park ferme conditions what are the rules about fixing cars ahead of sunday's grand prix and of course the sprint day tomorrow uh, yeah, they'll be able to fix that. Um, the rules allow for things like that. You know, if you just replace the part like for like, you you know, that the, the FYA knows exactly what uh, settings, the things that they're, they're sent out onto the track or on. So, so long as it's arranged back in the same uh, spec, that'll be fine. If McLaren do want to make some changes uh, to have a better race car, uh, they can do that, but they would have to start uh, from the pit lane. So unlikely to do that, given given Norris is still pretty pretty high up the grid. But yeah, although uh, behind Max Verstappen, he still ends up behind Max Verstappen because Max's penalty nips him in uh, ahead there in sixth place on the grid for Sunday so yeah unfortunate for Lando really I mean it's it's a pretty poor error it's a bit like Alonso in Spain in Q, in Q1 you know big off damages the floor the stones it's never going to come back after that and I think it's a big missed opportunity for Norris here so yeah he's got to he's going to have to reflect on what went wrong there and, and really try again because you know again it's sort of like if, if we criticise Perez for underperforming we've got to criticise other drivers so Lando's going to have to take that one but Let's not take anything away from Oscar Piastri. As you say, Martin, absolutely magnificent. He is the real deal. Yeah, well done, Oscar. And the final big talking point this weekend, I'd like to get your personal opinion on this because it would have been the talking point of the paddock. The changes in the management at Alpine and Otmar Safnauer is out uh, by mutual agreement was the phrase after 18 months in the job he said afterwards that they expected wins and he thinks that 2026 is they were on different time frames in terms of Alpine Renault management and what he thinks the team can do and you look at Renault and you look at what teams can develop and you look at engine and all those kind of things and you think well he, he's kind of got a point was he speaking truth to power and they went okay we don't like what you're saying we'll get somebody who does say to us the things that we want to here. Also out, Alan Permain, sporting director, been with Enston 34 years. That's a huge change there as well. And uh, finally, I noticed on it was a French website called secteurf1.fr, which I use Google Translate. They quote L'Equipe. So it's a little Chinese whispers here. 
they spoke to Alain Prost, who said that Laurent Rossi, in his time at Alpine, and I, I quote through Google Translate, he's an incapable leader who thinks he can overcome incompetence through his own arrogance and a lack of humanity. Wow! And obviously, Alain Prost is, is so proud of his French team and, uh, and not with the management team now. And But uh, but again, speaking his mind today, as XF1 drivers are, I want to do. Alex, what are your thoughts on all those big changes uh, that we, we had coming into this weekend with Alpine management uh, getting reshuffled? Yeah, interesting, really, Alpine, because 18 months isn't a very long time for Otmar Zaffanauer to have had much of an impact. We know how long it turns to sort of correct these big oil tanker metaphors of Formula One teams. It's just just the way it goes. But equally, McLaren recognised it was in trouble at the end of 2022, made some very, very big changes, and they are paying off now. Now, is that an oversimplification? Perhaps. But to me, it seems like the others are doing something Alpine aren't. And maybe this maybe this will be the catalyst to get them to do it, whatever it is. Because Alpine is the one big team that was confidently saying or hoping it would make a big step with the new regulations and really hasn't. So, you know, Mercedes has come down, everybody else has come up, bar Alpine and, and, and obviously the, the, the smaller squads. So, yeah, it's, it's certainly very harsh. It's certainly... It's interesting that someone like Bruno Famin has gone from, you know, being the COVID delegate at the FIA and, and less than two years later, he's, he's running a Formula One team, albeit on a temporary basis. The other big thing to come out of today is that the F1 commission, you know, agreed that to look into basically Alpine being down on power compared to the Honda, Mercedes and Ferrari engines. So there is potential there to come. So it's not all doom and gloom for that team, but it doesn't look good. I can't imagine it feels good to to work there right now. Uh, do hope everybody's uh, okay at that at that team, but um, but yeah, it's just it just seems chaotic. And you know, does Red Bull look chaotic beyond Max Verstappen shouting at his engineer? No, it just looks decisive and dynamic. So they've got to sort that out, and then uh, and hopefully their new management will be able to do that. Well, there was one team who were dominant today, eight tenths ahead of everyone. Dominant this season in terms of having the right driver in the right car at the right time. And let me just look down. Oh, yeah. Checks Notes has the longest serving team principal on the current Formula One grid with a certain C Horner. Been there through the good times and some challenging times as well, but he was never shuffled on when they weren't winning championships through the Mercedes era. And look at them now. Well, I think we'll leave it there. That's our podcast for today. Alex, thanks for joining us. It's late here, so it's even later for you. You are one hour ahead of me. Uh, thanks for that. Enjoy your Friday night. What is left of it? We're recording. We're just, it's just 10.30 at night on the Friday. And one of the reasons why we're a bit late is that I made dinner for Matt Q and, and Megan White. Matt Q, you are F1 reporter and Megan White, our Formula 2 and Formula 3 correspondent. Um, so you're confidently predicting we'll make it through the weekend. Hopefully we'll make it through the night, bearing in mind it's me cooking. So uh, if we do that, it'll be, a, it'll be a big success so we can enjoy the rest of the weekend. They're cooking tomorrow, so the pressure's off me. There we go. What I will say is that Belgian chopped tomatoes leave a lot to be desired. Blaming the chopped tomatoes, are we? We'll wait and see how the toilet facilities cope tomorrow at the circuit. I'm sure everyone will be fine. No food poisoning here. Uh, thank you so much for joining us uh, on the podcast. Today. Alice Kalanokis, our Grand Prix editor there, as he says, alongside Matt Q and Megan White. And you can read all of the coverage online right now at autosport.com magazine out next Thursday as well. If you don't already subscribe, you can do. And if it drops to your letterbox already, thank you for supporting the work that we do. Uh, we'll see you on the next one. Thanks for listening. 
Sports Social Podcast Network.